Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Habakkuk chapter number three, starting in verse number one, the Bible says this. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigionoth. Now, you might uh, go, what in the world is Shigionoth? And I'll, I'll tell you this, no one knows, actually, all right? That, that's one of those words that uh, some people uh, have, have uh, contemplated through other Hebrew words that it could mean the type of instrument that he's using to pray or praise in this chapter. It could be the, the emotion with which he is uh, lamenting or praying. It could be the type of uh, prayer that he's praying. Uh, but, but the simple truth is this is one of those words that we, don't, we just don't know what it means. And that's okay, all right? Uh, so I, I'm just telling you right now, if you come up afterward and you go, hey, uh, uh, let's talk about what Shigionoth means, okay? And, and really dig into that. I'm going to say, not a hill to die on for me, all right? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm content with saying God knows what this is, and, and it doesn't affect the uh, the message of the passage as a whole. So just getting that out of the way before we go too any further, okay? Shigionoth, I, I tend to lean toward it's probably the way that he's speaking, okay? And I'll, that's my opinion, and then we'll go from there, okay? Next verse, it says this. He's praying, and he says this. O Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, Remember mercy. He's saying, in your judgment, Lord, remember mercy. Then he goes into his praise and he says this, God came from Timan, or Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light. He had horns or rays coming out of his hand, and there his hands was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundedst the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck, Selah. Thou didst strike through his staves, the head of his villages. They came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. Man, uh, that's a really poetic way of saying this. Oh God, you are powerful. You are holy. You are 
glorious. All right, we'll get into a little bit of what he's alluding to and some of that in a second. But really, all that is just a really poetic way to say, I'm in awe. I am in awe of you, God. And he says this, when I heard, my belly trembled. Now, uh, that, that's not talking about his stomach growling, okay? That means it makes him sick to his stomach. It makes him sick almost. Uh, my lips quivered, he says, at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble when he cometh up unto the people. He will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Pretty bleak situation. He says this, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon my high places. Heavenly Father, as we get into your word, Lord, would you help me as I explain and expound God to uh, just uh, every word that I say that it would just flow from you to us this morning and God, I pray that each and every one of us would first of all be encouraged, Lord, as we look at your blessings and your goodness. But Lord, may it also challenge us and motivate us this morning, God, to place our faith in who you are and what you do for us. Not just for the, what's taken place in the past, but Lord, what's even taking place right now and what will take place in the future. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. The, uh, the church that I grew up in, we used to sing all kinds of hymns. Uh, in fact, uh, growing up, it was one of those churches that we, we didn't sing any song that wasn't in the hymn book, all right? The red hymn book, in, in fact. We, now, we went liberal and got blue hymn books at one point, all right? But, uh, but for the longest time, it was the red hymn book is what we had to read out of and, or uh, sing out of. And I remember this. I remember that uh, uh, some of those songs we would sing in kids' class, and they stuck with me. In fact, some of those songs... They still sing in my home church today. Some of the songs we sing still here at Ridgepoint, they're just uh, that good and they, uh, they stick with you. The music has a way of, the truths of music have a way of sticking with you sometimes long after even verses that you've memorized or, or messages that you heard one day preached. Uh, music just has a way of solidifying the truth of God's word in our lives. And one song that I remember uh, that j it just popped into my head about two weeks ago and I just started singing it. Uh, it. It says these words, it says, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change. But Jesus never, glory to his name. And then it says, glory to his name, glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never, glory to his name. And as I was seeing that, I was reminded even yesterday, I mentioned the verse that, uh, at men's Bible study, that I, I, I love the verse in Hebrews chapter number 13 that says this, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. And a lot of people, they, they have that verse memorized. They have that, that verse, they, if they don't have it memorized, they at least recognize it the instant that they hear it in a song or in a message of some kind. But that verse is more than just a catchy memory verse or a pithy statement. That verse is a timeless truth. Uh, not only because it's in the word of God, the very wording of the truth is timeless. Yesterday, today, forever. There's a truth there being declared that is timeless, and it's a truth 
that should grip our hearts and grip our spirits. When we talk about uh, the fact that the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob and the saints gone before, that uh, when we talk about their God being the same God that we serve, there's that song that we sing uh, here at Ridgepoint that's entitled Same God. And we literally say, I'm calling on the God of Jacob. I'm calling on the God of Moses. And when we say that, we're, we're uh, bringing to light this very timeless truth in our hearts and in our lives is that Jesus Christ, the same God that they served in the Old Testament, is the same God that we serve today. And that very truth is not merely rhetoric. It is a fact. And that truth, uh, that, that fact, should really undergird us in our courses uh, of, of life, uh, of difficulty, of uncertainty, everything that comes our way, this truth should really undergird our faith. It, it should strengthen us in the day of calamity, in the day of trouble, as Habakkuk says. When things go on around us that we don't understand, this truth that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever should really strengthen us in the times where we have hardships and trials, and even in those times as like Habakkuk has, where we're wrestling with what God has said. And as we come to this third chapter in Habakkuk, we, we see something interesting. The, the fretfulness of chapter number one that we saw has turned now to faithfulness. The, the uh, perplexity that we see in chapter number one in Habakkuk's mind has now been replaced with worship and with trust. The, the prophet who uh, had begun with sighing, Alistair Begg, I heard him say this this week, the prophet who had begun with sighing is now singing. The, he, he was sighing from the pain, and then this is what uh, Alistair Begg said, he said, and now he's singing in the pain. He went from sighing from the pain to singing in the pain. And when we get to the end of chapter number three, even specifically as we will in just a second, in fact, that's where we're probably going to spend the most time of our message this morning, we're going to see where Habakkuk has placed his faith. Where has he placed his faith? And I hope that it will draw us to evaluate our own hearts this morning and ask this question, what is my faith in? Am I placing my faith in temporal things and things that are ever-changing or uh, is my faith truly in the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? So let's look at Habakkuk's response here in chapter number three. And first of all, I want us to see the Habakkuk's prayer for the future. I want us to notice that he's praying for the future here in verses one and two. In, in verse number uh, one and two, no longer is Habakkuk complaining or arguing with God he is accepting what God has said. And he is submitting to what God has said. He's saying, God, you are more than righteous to do what you are going to do. You are just and holy and justified in whatever actions you, uh, you take because of who you are. And I see that now. Lord, you are in control. You are righteous to do what you will do. And so my prayer is this, God, revive us your people. Bring revival. And, and, and not only does he say bring revival, he says make it at an appointed time and place. Make it a part of your plan, God. When he says in the midst of the years, he's not just saying at some time make it happen. He's saying, God, make it a part of your plan. 
in the midst of this, uh, this uh, turmoil that's coming our way, in the midst of the Babylonians overtaking us, put it in your plan to revive us. Now we know that uh, God already had a plan to judge his people, to go into Babylonian captivity, all that, and then to bring them back to the land. If you read uh, Ezra and Nehemiah and even Esther, that all takes place in the area where they come back to the land. Ezra, Zerubbabel, a few of those people, uh, and Nehemiah bring in people back to the land. God did restore, answer this prayer uh, of Habakkuk. Revive your work, God. Revive us, your people. Even further than that, Habakkuk says this. He says, uh, make this happen in a real place and time. And as you're judging your people, Lord, show mercy. (laughs) Have mercy on us. God, you are justified in everything that you are going to do to us and everything you have to do to judge us, your people. But Lord, in your wrath, or uh, another word that could be translated there, wrath, would be in your judgment, in your righteous judgment of us, Lord. Would you remember mercy? Would you have mercy on us? We deserve this and we know you're righteous in your judgment, but remember mercy. And this is, this is a totally different Uh, attitude that we see in Habakkuk here than we did in chapter number one. Uh, Chapter number one, he was brazen enough that at the beginning of chapter number two, he says, now I'm going to sit down and be rebuked, right? You remember that? Uh, He he was brazen enough that he was ready for the Lord to rebuke him. uh, And now, but now we see him not, not brazen or asking questions of God, but saying, God, I understand. I I at least understand who you are. I may not fully understand everything because I'm not you, but I understand who you are. And I'm just asking, Lord, would you revive us? Would you use your judgment to bring revival? And would you use your judgment to remind us of your mercy? Because I understand this, God. I understand that everything you do with your people, everything you do with your people is not what you are doing to us. It's what you're doing for us. Lord, you're not doing this to us. You're doing it for us. You're doing it in mercy. Uh, So, Lord, show us mercy and bring revival back to your people one day. He prays for the future of his own people. And then, secondly, we see that Habakkuk reflects on the past. Not only does he pray for the future, but then he looks back at the past. This is verses 3 through 15, and uh, I'm not going to read all the way through them again because we just did that at the beginning of the message. But uh, in verses 3 through 5, he reflects on God's glory. In fact, some of the wording there, I love it when it says that uh, God came from Timon and, and then uh, also from the Holy, the Holy One from the Mount of Peron. Uh, those areas are actually pretty close to each other. Uh, but uh, if you look at it, one comes from the east, one comes from the west. And so in, in essence, poetically, he's saying this, God, your glory already through what you've created from east to west, I see it. Your glory fills the earth. And then he goes further to say, your glory fills the heavens. Your, your glory fills the earth. Your glory fills the heavens. You are so holy and glorious. How amazing is your glory, God? That's verses three through five. Verses six through seven, he, he shows how God stands in power. And he says, uh, he, he, says uh, he stood and measured the earth. Uh, one thing uh, that I read this week about that measuring of the earth, uh, he, the illustration was given of this, of uh, when someone goes to fix something or when someone goes to uh, readjust something uh, in woodworking or whatever, something that they've made, they go and they measure it. But they can only measure the things by which they own, is what he said. And he said, God who owns the earth, it, it, really he's the only one who can accurately measure 
the earth. And when he does so, he does so uh, to drive us under the nations and everlasting mountains were scattered. He measured it and then he appointed it. And he, he set it in place. And he, he shows that God stands in power. And then verses eight all the way down to verse 15, he shows how God marched in victory and brought victory to his people. Much of what Habakkuk is, uh, says here is walking through how God worked in the history of his people in Egypt and in the promised land. Some of it, uh, if you just read it because it's so poetically written, it's a psalm, it's a, it's a song that he's writing here. Uh, when, when you read it, you, you might miss some of the things he says, but when he talks about the chariots and, uh, and the seas and all of that, he's uh, speaking to the Red Sea crossing and how the Egyptians came in their chariots and God with the, the uh, waters just pff, killed them all. Uh, he, he's alluding to what God did in the past in delivering his people. He's alluding to the victories that God gave them from Egypt and in the promised land and and through Joshua even bringing victory. It it reads much like one of the Psalms. If you read through that, it reads much like uh, one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 136, uh, that uh, says, uh, his mercy endures forever, his mercy endures forever. And it says that in every verse. But if you were to just take that out, not because it's insignificant, but because sometimes it helps you read the flow of what, uh, the writer of Psalm 136 was saying, what he does is he, uh, he follows through the history of what God did, starting with creation. He says, give thanks to the God of gods who alone does great wo- uh, wonders, who put the sun and moon and stars in the sky. He starts with creation and then he goes from there and says, that, and then he brought us out of the land of Egypt. He, he uh, slew great kings and he, even in Psalm 136, mentions some of those uh, kings that uh, the Lord gave them victory over. It reads much like a psalm if you read through uh, Habakkuk's song here. But Habakkuk, in doing so, He's reminding himself of the facts of history and, it turn, and in turn, it causes him to trust God now. It's, uh, it's in praising God for what he has already done in the past that allows us to trust him for what is still to come. Uh, how often do we allude to what God has done previously to say, now I know that God can do this? That, that's what Habakkuk here is doing. He's reminding himself, God did it here, God did it here, God did it here, God did it here. So now I will place my faith and trust in him. And what's coming uh, in his mind, uh, what he's seeing coming, it makes him tremble, makes him sick to his stomach. It's scary, it's troubling to be quite honest. But because of all that you have done for your people in the past, Habakkuk says, he says, I will trust you for tomorrow. See, the working of God in the past, seeing God's goodness in the past, reminding ourselves of the power and the glory and the, and the faithfulness that God has displayed in our lives and in the history of the world in the past can become the, the impetus of our faith today. It, it can help and motivate us to have faith today and tomorrow when we look back and we say, man, I remember that time. It's, it's a different situation, but I remember God doing that. Man, uh, I remember God doing that in, in their life, in the Bible. I remember them doing that in my mom's life. Man, I remember them doing that in my very life. Looking back at what God has done in the past in proving his glory and his goodness and his faithfulness to us becomes then a, a, a strengthener to our faith for God for today and for tomorrow. And so uh, it, it can and should be done with us as well, not just in Habakkuk, that we would look back on what God has done in the history of the world, 
in the lives of the saints who have gone on before us and even in our own lives and as a result of seeing his goodness at work through it all, that it would uh, drive us to a response of faith in the here and now. And what we see is that takes place in the life of Habakkuk because he prays for the future. He says, God, the future's unclear, but I'm praying, bring revival through it. Show mercy to us. And Lord, I, I remember how you worked in the past. You did show us mercy. You did bring revival in this area, in this area, in this area. And, and as a result of knowing how you've worked in the past, Lord, I'm gonna have faith right now in the present. We see in these last few verses Habakkuk's faith in the present moment. In verse number 16, he says this. He says, uh, I might rest in the day of trouble. There, that word that could also be uh, another connection word that means but. So he could be saying this, but I will rest in the day of trouble. I will rest in the day of trouble. Though everything is going around me, seems scary, makes me sick to my stomach. It, I tremble inside thinking of what's coming. But Lord, even in the midst of this calamity, even in the midst of this trouble, I find rest in the Lord. So the first thing he says is, I will rest in the Lord. Even in the midst of turmoil, of trouble, and of trembling, I will be at rest. Why? Because my state of rest does not, my, my state of peace does not uh, come from or is not dependent upon my circumstances or even upon my own nation. My, my uh, peace, my rest is, is solidified in God. Not in my circumstances or even in my own nation, but upon my God, I will rest. My circumstances, they're always changing. My, my circumstances are unpredictable. Habakkuk understood, as we saw in chapter one, that his nation was wicked, ever-changing. And that, his nation, that nation there was not going to fully last. It was going to be judged and be overtaken. There, there's only one kingdom that truly will last, and that is the kingdom of God. So when we place our faith and trust in any other kingdom, we are placing our faith in a kingdom that will not last. So uh, he says, my, my trust, my rest does not come from my faith in my nation or my faith in my circumstances. My, my uh, faith is in my God and that is where I find rest. Man, when, when I apply that to my own life, I think this, I, I'm glad to be an American. I really am. I love that I, I get to live in this country. And last week we uh, even mentioned about Memorial Day and some of those who have sacrificed for our country. And I'm thankful for that. I'm glad to be an American. But, uh, and, and I'm glad for the freedoms that I have as an American. But uh, the truth is this, I don't find rest in America not even remotely close. <laughs> I, I don't even find rest in a political party of any kind. I, if I'm trying to find my rest in those things, I'm going to find myself disappointed. I can only find rest in someone who can actually control those things. I, I was thinking of it this week in, uh, in our lives at our house when, uh, when my wife is trying to find rest. <laughs> uh, which is hard, four kids and two of them being uh, twin toddlers, you know, that's, that's tough, right? Uh, that's, that's a crazy life. But uh, I thought of it this way. It, whenever she tries to find rest while I'm not home or, or, uh, or I'm busy, I have to do something at the moment, it's inevitable she will not find rest. A kid's going to come, open the door, have to go to the bathroom and need to be wiped, something, 
right, is going to take place where she's not going to find rest. But in those rare moments where I can control the kids, right, and they are rare, in those moments where I'm able to control the kids and keep them away and, uh, from going into our bedroom so that mom can rest, then in that moment, she actually finds rest if she can turn her brain off, right? That's just another thing about being a mom that I don't fully understand because I'm not a woman and I'm not a mom. I'm a dad, right? But, uh, but if she can turn off her brain and I have that control, then she can find rest. The same in our lives in this way. When we're constantly trying to find rest amidst the turmoil and the political sphere and, and our nation and our circumstances, amongst all of that, it's inevitable. Something will come up that's going to wreck that rest. Something's going to inevitably come up that gets in your mind, that gets in your heart, that makes you angry. Something inevitably is going to break that rest. But when our faith is in someone who can control those things taking place in our life, when our faith is in the person who has the heart of the king in his hand, when our faith is in the one who actually controls what is taking place in our nation, then we can find true rest. I cannot find rest in my circumstances or in my nation. I can find rest despite my circumstances and even my nation because I'm resting in God and I find rest in him. In the midst of a, a, a political kingdom of Rome that was oppressive, and in the midst of a religious system of the Pharisees and scribes who burdened people down with extra biblical rules, we see Jesus saying this in the book of Matthew. He says, come to me, all who are uh, weary and are heavy laden, who, who uh, are laboring over and over. You have this heavy burden on you from the religious system. You have this oppression from the government system. All of those who are uh, labor and are heavy laden, what does he say? Come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. The Lord himself able to give us rest. Faith can find rest even in the midst of trouble, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trembling. Why? Because our faith is not in our circumstances. Our faith is in an unchanging God. He was faithful back then. He's faithful today. And he brought healing then. He brings healing now. As that song says, you are the same God. You are the same God. I will rest in the Lord, Habakkuk says. Man, what a statement of faith. In the midst of turmoil and trouble, I will find rest in the Lord. The second statement I see is in verses 17 and 18 where he says, not only will I rest in the Lord, he says this, I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will uh, find joy in the God of my salvation. You read verse 17, and he says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, or the fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, the fields shall be yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, there shall be no herd in the stalls. He says, we don't have livestock, we don't have food. Even when we do work for food, it comes to naught. He's basically speaking of like a famine in the land. But he says, even in the dire economic circumstances, I don't find joy in the, in the economy. I don't find my true joy in this thing that can uh, rise one day and then crash the next day. No, no, no. I find my joy in God. I find my joy in the Lord. I rejoice, even further, he says, in the God of my salvation. The one who, in the midst of things like an economic downturn, can actually bring restoration and salvation because that's who he is. 
Even uh, if our joy comes from the stability of an economy, I've got bad news for you. (laughs) I've got bad news for you there. If uh, your faith uh, is in the economy and your joy comes from that because it will constantly be fluctuating. I mean, the stock market fluctuates year by year, day by day, sometimes like hours and minutes by minutes, right? Just constantly fluctuating. Uh, You remember that feeling that you had Uh, It was right at the beginning of that whole uh, COVID-19 stuff going on in 2020 when there was like no toilet paper to be found anywhere. Do you remember that feeling you had when that took place? Like the panic, the sheer terror of where we're going to find our toilet paper? That's like what you feel when you put your faith in any other economy or economic system than on God's economy. (laughs) I mean, you put your faith there and there's just panic, there's worry, there's I don't know what's going to happen. But Habakkuk said, "My, my faith isn't in that. So therefore, my joy remains. Why? Because my joy doesn't come from the economic system. My joy comes from the Lord. I, I uh, have a God who does not fluctuate like the economic system does. The, uh, all that I have in Christ and all that I am in Christ brings me joy. You can find joy and you can rejoice, as Paul says in Philippians, always. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Just in case you missed that, I again say, rejoice, is what he said. Because our faith, it's in the Lord. Our faith is not rooted in something that fluctuates or changes. Our faith is rooted in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love this quote. If you are reading with us or listening to the podcast with us of the Bible recap, uh, it's just going through the whole Bible chronologically in a year. uh, And uh, Tara Lee Cobble is the one who put this all together. And she has this statement that she says at the end of every podcast. And it's this, he is where the joy is. And I went and I'm not there. We're not to Habakkuk yet in that Bible reading plan. So I went to last year's Habakkuk podcast and found what she said. And I love this. This is what she said. She said this, fruitful vines and filled stalls are not where the joy is. He is where the joy is. So when we place our faith in the economic system or the things that are around us, the fruitful vines or the filled stalls, when they're not filled and when they're not fruitful, our joy does not remain. But when we put our faith and trust in the one who always remains, then we will find joy that remains. I will rejoice in the Lord, Habakkuk says. But then notice lastly that his faith statement says this, I will rely on the Lord. Verse uh, uh, in 19, he says this, the Lord God is my strength. He'll make my feet like hind's feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. <clears throat> he talks about hind's feet there, that uh, the, the animal there is kind of like a deer-goat mix, all right, uh, that he's talking about. If you go to Israel with us, you'll see when we go to En Gedi where David wrote a lot of the Psalms and where the whole uh, debacle of him cutting off part of Saul's robe in a tunnel, uh, when we go to that location, you see these animals that are like a deer-goat mix that are called an ibex. The ibexes uh, are one of those rare uh, animals that can scale cliffs like in direct opposition of the law of physics, right? You, you see them and the, you're like, you, you don't have fingernails, you don't have opposable thumbs at all, and somehow they're like on the side of a cliff, right? If you've never seen these pictures, go look up goats on side of cliff, okay? And you'll find pictures of these kinds of things on Google where they're, they're scaling it as if it's nothing. 
And, and what Habakkuk is saying here, and what the psalmist says it in Psalm 18 as well, is the strength that the Lord gives me defies logic. Like, I can scale the hardest cliffs. I can scale the hardest mountains that come in my way, not in my own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. He makes my feet as hinds feet. My strength, uh, when we rely on my, our own strength, my strength, it can only do so much, right? I mean, I know that most of you, because of how muscular and stature that I am, think your pastor can do everything, right? But I'm just kidding, totally kidding. But all of us, right, our strength, it can only do so much. Even the, the strongest person, as the uh, prophet Isaiah said in that well-known verse that he talks about mounting up his wings like eagles, if you read the passage, he says this, even the strong men shall fail. Even the young men, he says, the ones who are most fit for battle, they will fall. But those that wait on the Lord, that rest in the Lord, what happens to them? They find their strength renewed. They will mount up as wings like eagles, soar into the sky. How? Not in their own strength. They just got strength from the Lord to do that. That's what Habakkuk's saying here. He's saying, I'm finding my strength in my reliance upon the God of all strength. It's not in my own strength. My faith is not in what I can do. My faith is in what my God can do. So when our, in our lives a mountain of temptation comes our way, when a trial stands in our way, when enemies set themselves all around us or up against us, don't put your faith in your own strength and ability to overcome those things. Place your faith in the God of all strength that he might strengthen you to overcome those things. Habakkuk, he says, I will rely on the Lord. I don't know if you caught it, but here's the common denominator in all, all three of those things. The Lord. That's the common denominator there. Where is his faith placed in? It's not in his circumstances. It's not in his economy. It's not in his nation. It's not in his own strength. It's in God. His faith is placed in God. So the question for us this morning that we have to ask ourselves is this. What is my faith placed in? Where do I place my faith and trust? For each and every person, this first has to be asked pertaining to our salvation. Each and every one of us have to ask that question in what is going to get us into heaven? What are we placing our faith and trust in that will get us to heaven in eternity with God? That's the first Wait, we have to answer this question. Am I placing my faith in God and in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross or am I placing my faith in something else? So many people in this world are placing their faith in their baptism or placing their faith in their church attendance or in their charity work that they've done or they're placing their faith in, uh, in their upbringing, the fact that their parents brought them to church and just because their parents brought them to church, that means they're a Christian and that's what all of their faith is placed in and I'm telling you, every single one of those people have their faith placed in the wrong place. The, the Bible tells us that the only way to heaven, Jesus says this, he is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him, except through Jesus. Each and every one of us, first of all, have to ask this question. For my salvation, am I placing my faith in anything else other than Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross? Do I truly believe that it is finished, that he did it all? Or am I placing my faith in some of what I'm doing as well? 
Because uh, the Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says that it's by grace through faith that we're saved. Not of ourselves, lest, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. If we are placing our faith in anything else other than the finished work of God on the cross by his grace, then we're misplacing our faith for our salvation. And if anyone's here today, maybe you haven't placed your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ on the cross, his payment for our sin, for your salvation, that you might enter into a relationship with him to know that you're on your way to heaven to spend eternity there with him. Find me the day after the service. I want to show you from the word of God how you can know that. You could do that today. Place your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the work that he did. But even further than that, beyond that, I alluded to this last week in Romans chapter one when Paul talks about our faith being placed in the gospel, that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and to the Greek also. All of those things. When he talked about that, the next verse he said this, for the righteousness of God, therein, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The beautiful thing about the, the Christian life is this. We don't just enter the Christian life by faith. We walk through the Christian life by faith. Paul said we walk by faith, not by sight. At, at Habakkuk, uh, at the book of Hebrews, the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, they all say this. The just, the righteous, those who have first placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, who have been declared righteous, how do they live? They live by their faith. They walk each and every step of their life by faith. You will not find true joy. You will not find true stability. You will not find true rest or true strength if your faith is in anything else other than our unchanging God. The, the path to true rest, true joy and true strength, despite the fall of a nation, despite the loss of a political party, despite the state of the economy, despite the circumstances that you go through, despite the losses that you experience, despite the mountains of those things that stand in your way, the path to true rest, true joy, and true strength, despite all of those things, comes from a faith that is placed in someone who is above all of those things and in control of all of those things. I can rest when my party loses. Why? Because my faith isn't in them. <laughs> and anything that I vote on, I want it to come my way. But if it doesn't, I'm still joyful. Why? They're not where my joy is. I'm still, I still have rest. Why? That's not where my joy is. I, I still have strength to go on with the day. Why? Because that's not where I find my strength. When uh, I, I lose someone in my life and how devastating of a loss that can be when I lose something, uh, maybe even a job or something like that, uh, any loss that comes into my life, I can still have strength, true strength, true joy, true rest in that moment. How? Because those things are not where I find my rest, joy, and strength. It is in my God who is never changing and who is in control of each and every one of these situations. I can rejoice when these things take place in my life because God is in control. So once again, where is your faith placed this morning? I hope that we would all this morning readjust our focus and readjust our attention to stop misplacing our faith in lesser things, but to instead place our faith 
solely in God. Why? Because that's where we find true rest and true joy and true strength is in Him. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.